Anyway, overture and hit the lights. This is it, Night of Nights. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 186 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? I'm also joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And you tell by the little to my voice that we also have Greg Heo down in San Francisco, California. Hello. The annual speculation and hmm show. Hmm. All righty. So here we are. We have some, uh, we have to, uh, a, a bit of, um, I guess, I'm, I called it Ask MTJC, but it's technically not that, but it was a post from Nick showing a screenshot of his screen with the red bar that Mark was talking about on Twitter there. I don't know if mm. you looked at that. Yep. I also get that, actually. Exactly. I, I, did, I never tweeted it, but I get that too. Yes, yes. And it's always on an external this monitor? It's larger for me. It's always on the external. It's always the right half. Not even half. Mine is more like the right third of the status bar yep. is red. I also get that. Really? I never get that on my screen. Now, so what is it? The precipitates are just like this going to sleep and waking back up again? or I think I've gotten it with a fresh plug-in. So I have my laptop. I open it up. I'm lo- I log in and then I plug in the external monitor while it's already awake. Okay. And then the external monitor starts up and then it gets that red. I- I'm pretty sure I've seen it in that case as well. It just seems to be any fresh plug-in or when you wake from sleep, I think it happens So too. you guys are talking about MacBook Pros and-, and are you talking about like the new Touch Bar guys or USB-Cs? Or- I do have yeah, a new Touch, touch Bar, bar one, yeah. Pro. So what do you have, yeah. Mark? Uh, touchpad MacBook Pro. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Hmm, weird. Or, okay. Yeah, Touch Bar rather, sorry. Yeah, and this is at work or at home? At work. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm I'm not seeing that, and and I actually do also mind you. Wait. So let's back up. Are you guys using USB-C to HDMI or DVI or VGA? Oh, interesting. Or? I think mine. Is, I do have a USB-C Touch Bar Mac as well. So it's USB USB-C to something. I don't know what the something is. That it might be USB to Display Port. Actually, is what I have. I've seen this on two different monitors. One is one of the LG monitors recommended by Apple, the official one, which is USB-C to USB-C, and I've also seen it on a different monitor going from USB-C uh, through an HDMI adapter into the HDMI monitor. Hmm. I wonder if it's a resolution thing, because this one looks like it's, I, I mean, the left side of his screen is cut off, but maybe it's, you know, it's, like a it's always like a thousand Well, here's a question, too. So he's using the black um, menu bar. Are you guys using black menu bars, or does it matter? Oh, interesting. No. I nope. do have dark mode on, and I think I also have the transparency, uh, reduced transparency thing in accessibility, because I don't like the transparent stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I have those both. I have neither neither yeah. of those turned on. Neither. All oh, okay. right, then it's a it's a problem for everybody. Yeah. Hmm. But not for me. I mean, okay. mind you. I mean, it doesn't hurt anything. It's not like oh my god, I can't use the computer or anything. No, just, but well, mind you, I'm at work. I'm using a a, a um, Dell monitor, not a not a giant one like this one here in the picture. Hmm. So How what's big? The size? I think I have a BenQ monitor at work, but I don't think it doesn't seem to make a difference. It seems to be all brands. Yeah, one of the ones that hmm. that I use uh, looks like it's exactly the same model that he's using. And the other one is the LG that I mentioned. So, yeah, so it doesn't matter what monitor. Yep. Weird. It's like a sync on green issue or something like that. But I just wondered if the, if the, if the dark <laughs> mode menu thing, because I, I never mess with my, you know, I just nope. use everything out of the box kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, you know I have... Widespread problem. Let's all file radars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we got a bit of follow-up here, too. Um, last week, I think, I picked Vero as a new social networking tool that I heard about on Spark on CBC Radio 
one. And um, I signed up for it and used it for like a few minutes. But I think I'm me and four other people are the only people I know on it. So <laughs> so it's going real well, let's put it that way. But apparently uh, the guy who started it, um, I believe his name is Ayman Harari. His, um, there's some dubious past uh, history, not necessarily with him, but with his father, I believe. And so there's some question about uh, the investors and things like that. I don't know if you guys have read this thing. And it's just, again, it's just another, I guess you could say, I'm doing air quotes here, just another social networking tool, you know, similar to Instagram or Facebook. They claim, they claim the fame is that they're, they're, they say they'll never break away from the um, um, chronological view. They'll always sort of have that rather than trying to use um, um, algorithms to, to cater, you know, float ads in or whatever. And hey, you might want to follow this guy like other platforms mm, do. I can right? see that, so, yeah. yeah you, you guys were talking about it last week, but I, I don't see why, like you can still have a chronological feed and stick ads in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think the two are like, you have to do one to do the other. Right. I don't know if you guys meant that, but that's the impression I got when you guys were talking last week about well, it. Well, we were talking about Instagram, which I wasn't aware does an algorithmic feed. I know that Facebook does, right? Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so you, you can decline to comment if you like. Um, but Jaime, you were you were talking about this last week. Um, just yeah. just some, some nefarious history behind this is what my point was about bringing this post in. Around the very thing, with regard to the um, Greg's point there, I think you're right that it's not technically impossible to have ads in a chronological feed. It just becomes more difficult to accustom the user to doing so, right? Because if, you know, if you show something that is in chronological order, I can say, oh, last time I checked was Monday at 8 a.m. It is now Monday at 9 Mm. a.m. There couldn't Mm. possibly be that much to see. Um, And I can see exactly the delta between where I left off and where new content has come in. It's a little harder to Mm. slot in an ad than it is, oh, ho, ho, here's this post from three minutes ago. Here's this post from three weeks ago that we brought up for reasons. Who knows? Uh, Just kind of having that Skinner box-ish sort of scheme of like, you may or may not have new content you want to see. And oh, by the way, we've uh, helpfully put some ad reads <laughs> and sponsor stuff in there as well. Hmm. Okay. I guess I, I guess I see that. I just, all right. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not entirely, I don't know if you're trying to convince me, but <laughs> I'm not saying that you are, but I, I just feel like those are two separate things. If you have the chronological feed and there's only, only two things happened in the last, you know, since I last checked, if I really wanted to, I could put add thing, add thing, add. If I really wanted to, I don't see the two as like inextricably linked not that i'm saying that i'm not saying that's what you're saying right but i feel like the advertising thing and the chronological feed are just two different things i don't think you need one to do the other and if they're saying they're going to stick with chronological then i would say all right i believe it they can they can just put five ads on top and annoy people that way for people who hate uh non-chronological feed there are lots of ways to annoy people i mean my my issue with facebook is and it's been for a number of years as you all know is that you know you don't necessarily always see things unless you engage with the the people i tend to people tend to fall off the face of the earth because i don't i don't see their content at all, even though I know they're posting, but the the irony, mm. the ironic thing about Facebook is a couple. Of, this has happened to me in the last couple of weeks, like several times. Uh, out of the corner of my eye, I'll see an ad there, and I'll be reading the content I'm looking at, in, you know, in, in the post, and I'll, I'll want to go back to that ad, so I'll scroll my mouse up to go and back to that ad that did catch my attention, and it's gone because their feed is updated or whatever. So that's, I think that's the mm. irony of the way Facebook is doing things currently, at least under desktop products. You see something that catches your eye, you got to click it. Yeah, right away. well, it's know, training you. Yeah, can't can all be ADD all the time. So what are you up to on Vero, Tim? Um, what do you mean? Like just posting some pictures, got a, you know, a couple of street cars on there and, you know, I did, I did a post actually for our, we have some, um, some, uh, lady developers for our women, international women's day post. I posted a picture there for that, you know, mm. as well as on the other Facebook and LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. Right. So that kind of stuff, you know, just things that I find interesting and, um, just seeing how it grows. Right. Okay. So it's like, I just notice here in this, this, uh, article here too, they talk about LO. I still have an LO account. 
Peach doesn't seem to be doing much these days. And I do have a Mastodon account, but I haven't really look, looked at it in a while. But uh, so Allo is kind of mm. sort of Allo is kind of sort of claiming to be more art art centric kind of thing, you know, photographers and illustrators and that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, lately, they've been hitting my email with you know some notice notices and that kind of stuff. But uh, it says here that that we've seen these guys come and go. So different, uh, like you know, Secret Allo, Peach, Meerkat, and Mastodon. I looked at Peach the other day, and it was like completely a ghost town with tumbleweeds blowing around. Does, it, does anything actually happen on LO? I, I had an account there about two years ago. Yeah, and yeah. It seemed like there were three people on it total, and and the UI was yeah. was pretty minimalist, and I would say not good. Uh, yeah, they've had, they've discovered color on LO. Now. Okay, they're no longer just okay. black and white. Yeah, so I was actually surprised when you said that it's it's an artist oriented thing, given that the UI. Yeah, no, it's so just lately. I, well, you know, because I I kind of maybe this is algorithms again, but because I tend to sort of like look at that kind of stuff, I think they kind of somehow discovered my email address again and they enticed me enough to go back and click on it at least for a minute and, or maybe maybe because I went and clicked on it they kind of went oh hey this guy's still around and let's hit him up with some emails and stuff right? I don't know strategies marketing yeah. so yeah I don't know just it's funny the the spam I'm getting on my phone and the spam I get in my mail accounts these days is just it's weird not like it used to be but the weird anyway moving on um, weird in what way in what sense just I don't know just the kind of I'm getting you know I get weirder sort of more fishy kind of emails like I get I, I get emails from people as if I've subscribed to things when I know I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know where they're getting my email from. And, you know, so I like, you know, I just ignore them for a while. And if they, if they don't go away after a period of time, I'll go and unsubscribe. And which is funny because my, my, um, piece settings used to block going to those, uh, un, you know, mail list unsubscribe pages, right. Mm-hmm. Cause they're, they're suspect as well. Yeah. Anyway. I, I know what you're talking about. Like I had a friend reach out to me probably a week or two ago on Facebook messenger and said, Hey, just wanted to let you know, I think something might've gotten into your, you know, uh, your email account because I got this email that claims to be from you, but it couldn't possibly be from you because it looks all weird and, you know, it looked fishy to him. And I looked at it and said, hmm, that's not my email address or any of my email addresses, but it's kind of close to a combination of some of them. So um, people are just you know, masking what they do and just sending out stuff in huge, huge volumes to, to try to find the like one tenth of 1% of people who you yeah. know, just don't notice, right? Even if you know better, uh, which isn't necessarily all users, it could just be like, all right, well, I'm kind of in a rush. You know, I'm listening to music. I'm walking to the dog. I see this email. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me tap on this email from what appears to be my friend and it's not. Yeah, I get a lot of those too. I was reading something that said, or at least claimed that that was due to a mutual contact of the two of you having been compromised or hacked, so they they managed to, mm-hmm. they managed to get uh, both of your names from your from the third person's contact list and use that to send the other person your something coming from your name. That's pretty smart because instead of like Jaime said, like if you get a suspicious looking email, if I got a suspicious looking email from Tim, I would tell Tim, "Hey, I think you got hacked." And Tim no, would be like, "What, hacked, what are you no. talking about? I didn't." But it's like, oh, it's a little me- redirection because it's actually like Mark exactly. got hacked and it pretended to be Tim sending me an email, and then you sort of don't know who's right. at fault there. Right. So that's pretty smart. Yeah, here's an example one some from z nitro i have no idea who that is and it's just it's a video of a dog driving down a road in a car like why would i want that or why would i even care why would you not want a video of a dog <laughs> no, doing anything no, 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 crazy. Down the road. i love that but, uh, yeah but it's funny because my 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 inbox is down to zero now because i'm you know i'm not really working out of this business that much anymore and but one of the most annoying ones i get is twitter like i get these like probably five or six emails a day or every couple of hours telling, oh look this person tweeted something and that person tweeted something and oh look tim tw-. i even get them from my 
myself saying I tweeted something, which I find funny. You can change that setting because I was getting I've annoyed by that tried. too. How do you I do found that? It somewhere. Okay, let's have a, let's have a yeah. sidebar. How do you do that? Those ones actually at the bottom. There's an unsubscribe, and that actually works. Um, if it really is from Twitter, assuming it oh, really is so from Twitter. So on the bottom of this thing, I just go unsubscribe. Okay. Yeah, the key thing is to make sure you don't misspell your mother's maiden name or you know double check your your bank account. <laughs> the numbers. last four digits of your uh, social security number or something. Yeah, <laughs> really. Okay. Pro tips. All right, we'll see if that one goes away. So Tim, the real question is: Was the dog sitting at home? While driving down the road, <laughs> for those of you driving at home, joke for long time listeners. Humor, humor for those of you driving at home. Yeah. Don't worry, he'll be here all week. Try the deal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So apparently, Apple's Swift language is now top tier in the top ten, according to Wired.com's article, which I believe we were talking about Woo-hoo. just before the show. Are reading from where are they reading from? Uh, Stack Overflow questions. So right. I think they're scraping Stack Overflow, looking at which languages get a lot of questions and answers. Oh, really? Okay. Right, yeah. And so they're saying Swift is number 10. Where was it? Less than four years old, is it? Yes, it is. Less than four years old. Yeah, it's 2014, mm-hmm. yeah. Hard to believe it's been four years old. Four years since it came out. I'm mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, that's true. It's true. Anyway, that's interesting. A little bit of tidbit, tidbitty story there. We'll put that in our show notes for those of yeah. you who want to look at uh, Kotlin was also pretty high on that list, too, mm-hmm. which doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of enthusiasm around that. Would this be now the time to run that fabulous ad that we have? I was just going to say, <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Put your head back, folks. Here comes the drill. RayWinderlich.com has been the best place to learn iOS development on the internet for a long time. Over eight years, in fact. I've been using it that long. How about you? And now the team at RayWinderlich.com is expanding in a big way into Android and Kotlin development with an avalanche of new Android and Kotlin books, courses, and screencasts. From March 19th to 30th, you can get access to the all-new Android Kotlin books, courses, and screencasts at a massive 20% discount. If you've been thinking about moving your career ahead with Android and Kotlin development, this is definitely the time to do it. Head on over to store.raywonderlick.com to take advantage of their time-limited Android Avalanche sale, which ends March 30th. Tim, it's Pi Day. Did you do any updates to Pi Day Countdown? I didn't do any updates to Pi Day Countdown. Well, I was disappointed yesterday. I don't know if you saw that James Thompson's uh, PCALC got uh, featured by the Apple Store, the App Store, um, saying that, it, you know, happy Pi Day. Here, celebrate by downloading, you know, their app. And I'm like, but wait, I have a Pi Day Countdown app too, you know. Does it support the notch? Is it updated for iPhone 10? Does it what? Sorry, too many questions at once. What? Watch and iPhone 10 were the two questions. Uh, no, mine does not have a watch app. And um, mm-hmm. Yes, I did update it for iOS. Oh, I think I did. Now that, you, now that you say that. Fire it up on your iPhone 10 and let's see if it handles the notch. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, all week that people have been calling it iPhone X at work and I've just, I stopped face plant. I was getting like a burn on my face from the face palms, you know. <laughs> They should they should have just given it the number ten if they wanted people so, to get it correct. In my in my signature at work, it says you know Tim Mitra and all that kind of stuff, and, and just bef- above below my name, it says iPhone. It's pronounced iPhone ten phonetically, right? So people can't make a mistake about it. You know? but like you write out the word T E N. Well, no, but, you know the, you know the like it's like an upside down omega symbol, uh, like a Greek yeah, E. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know what you the, mean. Yeah, you know, yeah, like phone is F F upside down omega, you know W N E or something like that, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, phone, yeah, yeah. which is phone and I is E-Y-E or whatever or A-I or something like that I can't and then 10 is T-E-N and they still call it iPhone X it is the letter X so you can't really yeah. uh, can't really fault them for it what was I looking for? oh Pi D iPhone 10 support oh, nope. that's probably why that's why I didn't get featured yeah. you know how long it would yeah. take me to update that to iPhone 10? 5 minutes 10 minutes ok 5 minutes is it the storyboard? Uh, no it's not a storyboard but uh, hey I could make it a storyboard uh, there's a good reason to make it a storyboard right? Uh, I hate storyboards why? hey but then you can have you know container view controller containment done the correct way 
and not the way that I'm doing it, which is wrong. <laughs> and I always yeah. mess it up, so I think I am doing it wrong. So why do you hate storyboards there, Greg? Let's go there. Uh, so many reasons. I think the big Besides one Besides the fact is, that they're buggy and stuff like that. <laughs> Admittedly, this, I think, doesn't, it's just not supported, which is crazy, but having a storyboard with a stack view with things like labels in them, where the number of lines is zero, so it doesn't know oh, what height it should be. right. Which works when you run it at runtime, but when you're looking at it in IB, it just looks all yeah, broken, yeah. or the height yeah. becomes zero, or the height becomes like 50,000. Yeah. So the thing goes way, off screen. There's a way to fix that. You want to know how? Mm-hmm. Uh, how? Don't you storyboards? No. You absolutely use storyboards, and you set the you set a constraint to whatever makes it look right in the storyboard, mm-hmm. and then you click the button to deactivate that constraint at, at runtime. Run yeah. <laughs> that is such a hack, though. There's no reason why the storyboard can't know, can't do all the linear equations and solve the size of the thing. There's no reason why I can't do it, and I just don't understand why. And then you, you don't even have to upgrade Xcode. You just have your other, someone else on your team open it, and it doesn't look right yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, well then what are we supposed to do? Yeah. And it's just, it's just a, it's, it's just no good. Yeah, I had a, I had a, a Touch ID thing I did a while ago, and it was the same sort of thing, but this time it was everything aligning to the right-hand side or left-hand side. Like, every time you touched the constraint, it would, everything would shove over to the left, and if you just, like, incremented it by one, it would, it would center again. So mm. I did figure out a, a solution for that. I forget what they answered there. So, so I actually, I almost never use stack views. Really? Mm-hmm. They sound good on paper, and I find that they just don't work right at all, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. for what I want, at least. So I don't use them. I, well, I mean, we, we use them all the time, and they work, and they're understandable, I think, but they just don't work well with story or with interface builder, from what I hear, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah. okay, fine, but we use them a lot, because they're convenient. Not for everything, but, you know, sometimes you have, it's, it's not like rocket science. You can have a scroll view and put three elements in them and line them up and make your own, I'm making air quotes, make your own stack view. It's not difficult, but it's just easy. You make a stack view, you set the spacing, you put three things in there and you're done. It's just, it's just a convenience. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can yeah. easily do without, so, if you said you can never use stack views, I'd be like, well, that's fine. I can live without them, but they're just convenient. But yeah, I think people maybe try to use them more than they should. Like if you put a stack view inside a stack view inside a stack view inside a stack view to make some kind of a grid layout, then that might be going a little too far. But isn't that yeah, how but, Uncle Sam yeah, taught us now, to do now, what you said, what you said, I, I agree. There, there are certain cases where it works very well, where if you have, hmm. if you know that there's a constant spacing, say between your labels, yeah, and that, and and you just want to have this 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 unit, say centered on your screen, whatever, that works great. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. you ever have a case where you want the spacing to scale with the size of the screen, mm-hmm. for example, they mm-hmm. they're just awful. Yeah, unless the stack view is constrained to the entire view, top to bottom, then you can have it scale because you can do flexible spacing in between elements or something. Yeah, but and it, you could do it. But yeah, if it's yeah, inside yeah, something and inside yeah. something, then it's not. Yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, I, I find that uh, they just don't work very well. Not well, for me. Hmm. So timely. Well, for IB, for my IB complaint, I say the entire purpose, not the entire, but the large, the big purpose of IB is to show visual layout. Right. Yep. Show you visually what your layout is. And if it can't, if it can't even do that, then I just say it's, it's useless. What's the point? It's so very that, timely know. conversation we're having here, considering one of the topics for today's <laughs> show. <laughs> so why is it timely there, honey? Apple has uh, announced the official dates for this year's Worldwide Developers Conference. WWDC Ooh. will be once again in San Jose, California, June 4th through the 8th. And uh, as of this recording, you still have time to um, to put your hat in the ring. So just as normal, they're going to have the lottery system. So you can register by Thursday, March 22nd at 10 a.m. Pacific for your chance to maybe be able to pay uh, $1,600 U.S. 
or two thousand ninety nine Canadian, right? Which is it's well, okay. So I can't speak to the like the changes in um, you know the exchange rate, but that's still the same price that it has been for a very long time. I think people yeah, that's are talking true. about that's it's like two thousand two yeah. or something. So it, it is not. Are gone they still up serving for, the same uh, burrito rolls for lunch? It's the same wonderful sandwiches, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the Kremlinology has begun because we have a, a quite a bit of a different look for mm-hmm. their announcement invitation sort of thing. Normally, we're used to some sort of colored splotch that we start looking at the shapes and try to understand. And this one is a little bit more subdued, but yet it has more of a, a, a 3D or possibly AR kind of feel to it. It has a lot of UI widgets sort of stuff to it. It can get people thinking about this Mac plus iOS right. sort of combination yeah. developer sort of thinking that people have been talking about. It reminds me of Aqua. Do you remember Aqua? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the and, lickable uh, or lickability kind of yeah, user Yeah. Because if you look at the, the, um, the document buttons there, they're sort of round and the increment uh, buttons seem to be clear translucent sort of material as well, right? And even the chat bubble, the thinking bubble. Yeah, interesting. White on white. It also looks sort of like, Mark will know this, the visitor center at Apple Park, which is that white table that is contoured. So the shape and the elevation changes and the buildings are there, but the thing is pretty much all in white. And then you have the AR application running on the iPad that you hold up and it shows you like the buildings like in color. You can change the time of day. You can lift up the roof of the building, see what's inside. So this sort of also reminds me of the thing at Apple Park, whether that has anything. So I think some of the, one of the connections might be to a bigger focus on AR or something like that, but it also is also kind of reminiscent of that design. Hmm. It's interesting. Perhaps the new version of OS 10 will have a 3D white look to it. Maybe there's an could, Easter egg in the be. WWDC app that will hold it up to your monitor and you get this AR effect. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I think the other thing that people point out was it's a, uh, I think Tim, you had kind of meant, uh, alluded to this. It's a mix of iOS and Mac OS controls, like mm-hmm. the maximize, minimize button in the bubbles, for example, are a Mac thing, but the slider looks like a, I like a sliders everywhere. The switch, I think, looks like a iOS switch or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the sort of transition like, yeah, progress bar the, as well. I'll have to find the article. I think it was Project Marzipan was supposed to be the unification of the two or something. Really? It has uh, a but name? I was talking about with a colleague at work saying how, uh, I mean, technically we can already run iOS applications on the Mac using the simulator. And you can imagine a, maybe a simple, I don't know if it has to be simple, but a simple iPad application that does all the right things with size classes and auto layout constraints and resizability, you can imagine that just running on the Mac with zero to few changes. Like the person comes on stage and says, oh, Apple sent me a version of the SDK and in just two hours I had it working just fine on the Mac. You know what I mean? Like right, you can imagine right, that yeah. happening. So I can see that happening. Yeah. The, the biggest problem with that I think is multi-touch. How do you do mm. that on, on the Mac with a mouse? And with a trackpad, yeah. okay, sure. Multi-touch trackpad, sure. But a lot of people still use mice. And mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. would be kind of tricky. Magic Mouse has, on the top surface has like a, but if you're using a, like a gaming mouse or a, a third party mouse, right? Yeah. yeah but stuff like That's pinching. different from, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. you want precision when you're, well, for some things you want precision. For other things you don't need precision, but touch on the, touch on glass, like on an iOS device is like, I need to touch exactly or close to exactly to this thing. Whereas the mouse is more like, well, I'll put the cursor over here. But the th- when you do a, um, what's it called? A pinch or a zoom gesture on your magic mouse, it sometimes generally doesn't really matter wh- exactly where the mouse is. I mean, it does, but it's not that precise, I think, is the is the idea there. So I don't know. Multi-touch yeah. is tricky. But again, I'm not saying every app is going to make it over, like automatically. iOS 12, all of your apps will run on the Mac. I think it will be like, if you would like it to run on the Mac and it makes sense for you, you can have one code base and it'll just be like one more target and it'll be one more thing to do since we're all using storyboards and interface builder. It'll just be one more checkbox to turn on an interface builder to support um, the Mac. It could be, it could be like well, that Rosetta that period we went through too when we had um, classic 
Magic and and um, you know native uh, uh, Mac OS apps at the same time. You know, yeah, Th- this I feel like is going to be more opt in. It's not going to be again automatic. Every iPad app you can run on your Mac. No, no, yeah, be, yeah. Hey, developers, it is very easy to do. It will run natively. There's no compatibility layer or anything. It will run on there as long as you do all the right things. Besides, it'll just be an extra freebie. So people who have iOS apps can say, you know, well, it's a document editor or something like that. Like, yeah, this will work on the Mac. I don't use multi-touch or pinching or anything. It's all just a cursor-based text editor or whatever. So I can see that happening. Yeah. Now, we were told a couple months ago that, that uh, iOS 12 was going to be mostly a, a bug fixes yeah, true, and, yeah. and stability improvement uh, change, right? So, well, you know, maybe this would fit into that uh, because it's not really adding a whole lot of new features to iOS. It's it's more uh, just, a, a, you know, making them more portable. So I guess it's, it's not inconsistent with that. Mm. And there's, there's nothing saying that uh, just because they told us that a couple months ago that it's actually true. So, mm. so who knows? I think it still fits in if you, or if I think of it, right? Because I can imagine there's going to be a ton of people thinking about that. People listening right now might be thinking that as well. Like, how does that fit into it? And if, and if it is true that they're not going to be radically changing the UI in any sort of like refresh sort of way for iOS 12, and if that's been bumped uh, to next year, it could still make sense if we think of it as like, you know, UI kit took a lot of the ideas that were, you know, from app kit and, you know, solved a lot of those problems, created some new ones. You could imagine that they could have some refinements to UI kit to make the, you know, the problems even uh, less pronounced and then say, well, how can we bridge that for Mac OS in order for this to work together so that it would still stay true that iOS itself would stay relatively stable, but Mac OS would be the one sort of uh, jumping into the fray here. Right. You also have a second a second uh, link here, Jaime, on below the WWDC one. Yeah, um, I think there will probably still be the same sort of slew of conferences going on in that area around the same time. Uh, AltConf is the one we'll have linked here in the show notes. They are uh, coming June 4th through the 7th with two speaker tracks of community talks, and they have an open call for presentations, call for proposal, call for papers, however you believe CFP is intended to be pronounced. Uh, you can <laughs> sign up until the 28th of April, midnight Pacific. Yeah, and they've also got be... you know podcast stuff going on. We're, we're sadly not going to be there. Yeah, um, I don't get it. Well, <laughs> in any like, official bash capacity. You guys didn't get an invite? That's too bad. <laughs> Yeah. I guess we get, maybe next year we'll host like uh, like a live session of uh, MTJC. We'll get everybody there. We'll throw things on Splash yeah. or Eventbrite or no, something. Nothing would stop us from doing our own. That's true. We could just sort of camp on the front we steps. Just and, set up outside. Yeah. I wonder if they'll have the podcast studios at WWDC again. Ooh, yeah. that's, a, that's a good question. Does anybody know of any that shows much. that were sort of born out of that environment? Like I know of, of uh, a few shows that it sounds like people sort of just did an episode there because they had the recording set up so they didn't have to, to you know schlep it around in their luggage or anything did it, was anybody aware of any podcasts that came I think, out of i that? think i i think one uh, the guy i forgot his name now garrick i'm not sure what what I forgot the name is swift coders they they were already around yeah no before, but he did an episode they, they did there, like believe, special episodes right? so he, he did yeah but i mean that was already yeah, around yeah, yeah. it wasn't a new one that is still going on i don't I, I don't think i follow new podcasts well enough to know yeah i don't know hmm. yeah. and hopefully apple will update the wwdc website as they did last year with links to all of the other conferences going on nearby like i think um is it layers conf is it going to be on probably i don't know i haven't looked it up mm-hmm. uh coco conf next i believe they are. i think i saw a tweet from them that they are coming okay. back i don't think coco conf next door as far as i can tell because i think they've really settled on just swift by northwest mm-hmm. and i could have sworn there was another conference that went on last year around the same time too and its name is escaping me interesting yeah well there were yeah there were the two on uh, in the two hotels that were flanking the convention yeah exactly it was coco conf and alt conf and layers was down the street i don't remember 
remember any other ones. Okay, but, yeah, maybe that was the whole was, list uh, then. So you were there last year as a, as a participant, weren't you, Greg? Yeah, I had, uh, it was my first ticket I got right. last year. So who's putting their name in for a ticket this year out of everybody on this uh, on this recording? Hard to say. I'd like to go. Well, I will for sure, just because oh, it's in the neighborhood, you know, if I yeah. get a ticket, it's so... It's right outside your house, right? Yeah, pretty much. And I'm trying a new strategy this year. In the past, I've always put my name in immediately, and uh, and this time I haven't put my name in yet. I'm going to wait till later <laughs> just to see if it makes any difference. I don't lottery. think so. I don't think, I don't think, I don't so. think it will, but you never know. No, I, I totally think it's a legit uh, lottery. Well, Tim, now, you're you assuming... Are use your personal or... Or your business, your company account, Mark? That's the real question. That's actually a, a very good question. I've had uh, very little luck using my Smapsoft account uh, over the years. Uh, so I'm, I think I'm going to try my Skydio account this time hmm. just because, uh, well, a couple of reasons. It's a, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a different uh, address and, and uh, we're a little bit more high profile. I don't know, man. You should knock on some wood and stuff like that and maybe throw some salt over your shoulder. And... Yeah. Because yeah. I can tell you that 2014, we were awarded between two companies that I was involved in, we were awarded two tickets that made absolutely no sense. One was a, an intern got selected and the other was uh, a business owner's partner got selected. So I, I, yeah. I do think it really is I a lottery. I think it is a random so lottery. I don't think it matters. That maybe the only thing that does matter is after or, you know, whatever. They do 4,000 tickets by lottery and they do 1,000 tickets of selections and they'll say, oh, Skydio, I saw on the news. Let's make sure those folks get two tickets. And I don't think they'll tell you afterwards, like while they run the lottery or maybe right now as we speak they're going through a list of who they want to put on their list of thousand or whatever and so on thursday night people who win the lottery and people who are sort of pre-selected will get it and they won't know sort of why they were selected i'm i i'm thinking that's how it works yeah i I do think and i have no real hard evidence of this except uh empirical uh evidence but uh, i do believe that people from outside of the local area here are favored really yeah because you would think and again i don't have real strong evidence for this but you would think that people from a lot of people from around here fly just because it's right, so easy right. to go, you know, travel. Right. You know, why not? And there's a lot of developers around right. here. So you would think that the number of people applying from this direct area is going to be much higher than from elsewhere because everywhere else you have to travel. And it's okay. So let's do some math for a minute because I was looking at these some stats on this the other day or yesterday actually. There are 12 million mobile developers worldwide. There are 2.5 mm-hmm. million who do iOS or say to do iOS. There are 5,000 tickets. What are the odds of getting a ticket? 5,000 out of how many did you say 2. there were? 2.5 million iOS developers. Million? Well, what percentage of those do you think are actually joining the lottery? Certainly not all. Let's say 33%. So that means about 800,000. like 800,000. 800, <laughs> That's still 000. a lot of people. So five, 5 out of 800 is 1 out of what? 1 out of 160? Less than 1%? Less than half? Almost less than half percent? I don't know where I've heard this, but I have, I had heard somewhere that they had about 50,000 people yeah, in the lottery. Yeah, I thought it was 100 and, and there were about 5,000 ticket so it was about a one in ten chance i don't know i'm I, I don't remember where i heard that whether it's even true but for some reason i remember hearing that number i think i think the time i won the lottery they were guesstimating about one hundred sixty thousand people would have applied and that would be in 2014 so hmm. yeah. okay hmm. so. but mark you're saying there's more people here in the bay area and therefore if it were a perfect in a perfect lottery the proportion of people who got tickets would be heavily skew people in the bay area is that what yeah, you're saying exactly so you get just get out you you're at wwc you run into a hundred people at random, you would expect like, what I don't know, 50 of them to be from the Bay Area. I'm just making this up. But in reality, it's only 20 people from the Bay Area. Well, that's so here's another, here's another piece of evidence yep. too, okay. and that's that before the lotteries, I remember they used to ask, or they used to, they used to announce in the keynote how many people were first-time attendees, right? And um, the first, like one, a couple of years I was there, like one time it was like 15%, and another time 
it was like 25% were, were first-time attendees. After the lottery started, it's like 60% are first-time attendees. So I think that, the mm-hmm. it, again, that just, to me, that points that man did land on the moon and that it is a real lottery. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, the other thing I've heard is like, like Mark was saying, they, they again, at the 5,000 tickets, they say, all right, 1,000 we have to pre-allocate. 1,000 yeah. uh, are going to go to first-time people. 1,000 will go to people outside the United States. And then 500 will go to people outside the Bay Area. And then the rest is just like true, I'm making air quotes, true lottery. So yeah. maybe they divide up the lottery into several like sub-lotteries kind of thing. Yeah, perhaps. I can, I can see that Quite as well. Possible. Greg, when yeah. you got your ticket last year, did you use mm-hmm. your uh, former employer's uh, account? I did, or? yeah. It was with the employer's account. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's contrary to my theory then. I was, I was going to say that if you use your personal account, they might have thought you were still coming from Toronto. So, <laughs> so uh, I believe I had a U.S.-based developer account by then, as, as, as okay. I do now. All right. I don't All think right. it matters. Like, because yeah. two years ago, the corporation I worked for got zero selected. And then last year, five were selected. So, I, again, it's, you know, and, and yet I know of other other people from other corporations that are in the same business as mine that also got tickets a year that we didn't get any. So, I don't think mm-hmm. it has anything to do with the company or the size. That said, though, I should say I should say that when we had the last time Apple was here doing the Apple TV event where they, they were training us on how to do apps for TV, I had an opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to uh, the head of Angelus, uh, John Galancy, who happens to be from Canada as well. And he was telling me there's always a handful of tickets that are around, you know, that between when the lottery ends and the beginning of WWDC, because for whatever reason, hardship or inability to travel or what have you, tickets do become available. So if you are really desperate or you, or you, whatever, you can always contact the you know, Apple evangelist officer, or a developer relations or whatever, and see if there's a ticket available. You never know. Because, you know, they want to basically have yeah, a full you house, know right? a guy. Mm-hmm. I like the Tim is a maybe. Mark said yes. I have also put in my name already. Um, hi, man. What about you? The timing's not so great for me this year. Um, I think I'll go ahead and put my hat in the ring anyways, because uh, I'll, and I'll do it from like a company account so I can pass it off to a team member if necessary. So I won't yeah, be using yeah. my, my personal account for this one, um, you know, because it'll give some flexibility there. But I also really like Mark's sort of strategy there because, so let's assume, right? Let's assume it's it's a fair system, fair lottery, and that it's not like how the New York Knicks ended up with Patrick Ewing, right? Let's assume, <laughs> let's assume the fix isn't in there <laughs> for the major uh, media market. Um, however, I've also been somebody who's jumped on right away. And as soon as it was available, I would go ahead and register just like Mark. And I've been sadly not getting chosen. Maybe I should do it later on the assumption that even if the intent is to be a fair lottery system, there still might be problems with the code that actually runs the lottery system. So maybe putting myself into the latter half of the buckets would be a good idea. Get a higher number thing for a higher numbered flag. They did send out two confirmation emails. I don't know if you got, maybe Mark, you got hmm. this, but the first email said, thanks for your submission. We'll let you know by March 31st, 2017. So they sent last year's email again. And then like a couple hours later, they resent it or sorry, 20 minutes later, they resent it with the correct but date. just now? So there might be something in there. I mean, no, when I registered for it, because oh, uh, I registered right yeah. away. Uh, yes. Was it yesterday? Two days ago? Monday, I think. So when I registered, yeah, I got the email right away. And then 20 minutes later, they sent the correct email. So I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe my name is actually not in the lottery because I got entered for last year or something. So who knows? Hmm. Really? Oh, hmm. I didn't thought about that. You think like you automatically get a get a, a knock against you, Greg? I'm, I'm mostly kidding, but no. <laughs> <laughs> mostly kidding. <laughs> I well, definitely kidding. don't want but those people get picked, then coming, I'm totally on the, onto this theory, though, if I don't get picked. Definitely know they don't want those guys from San Jose coming, right? So, yeah, they're yeah, too they're close. Too, That's just too convenient good. for them. They can yeah. watch it on TV. So, fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll have a mini MTJC reunion of some kind. I'll still be yeah. there for hopefully at least a day or two 
for AltConf. I'm going to apply the speak for AltConf as well. So if I get in, hopefully I'll be there at least. I'll be there at least that day. Sure, uh, I'll be That'd hanging be around cool. a little bit. I hope. Yeah, I mean the fact that you're down in the hood kind of helps too, right? Like I mean it's not I'm not not directly in the hood, but you're close enough that you could take a day trip or whatever, right? So and hang mm, out. Yeah. So I'll do that at least once, at cool. least one day, even if I don't get a ticket. Alrighty, that's WWDC in a nutshell. So our next piece here is uh, again listening to the uh, CBC Spark TV uh, radio show, which is actually I listen to it as a podcast now, but um, I can't seem to get my act together to listen to it when it's live. But uh, they had a really interesting story this week about um, they now have the, the people have, dis- have discovered the ability to actually change video in real time. Like they can change a green screen or change the background in a video without even having a green screen. And, and they're all using it's all using you know uh, I guess it's it's um, yeah, neural networking cur- you know um, not Gormel, machine learning and all that kind of stuff uh, to do this kind of stuff. An interesting story on that. Um, the one line I, I got out of this was this is the future we didn't anticipate. But uh, interesting that they can you know change like have you read a speech just by sampling a few you know seconds of your of your voice you know so I mean the fact that we've been doing a podcast for three years doesn't help us um, that they can actually create fake fake uh, audio from us so uh, interesting uh, story I don't know if you guys have read the post that's there any comments I haven't read the post but uh, there's a lot of talk about this around here uh, and it, it's actually been use of the of the technology has been banned on on various networks really uh, yeah I mean it's it's potentially pretty dangerous it's called deep fake by the way yeah <laughs> deep fake yeah 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 I mean you can you can imagine you know I mean, and people have been messing around with with since you know the AR kit and and all that kind of stuff came out you've been seeing all kinds of interesting you know uh, proof of concepts that people have been making but uh, yeah when somebody can manipulate you like a puppet like like as you would have done with Photoshop back in the day this is now doing with live video and live video on the fly which is even scarier right so interesting use of technology yeah there was a subreddit uh, for deep fake when I think there's a user too who created the subreddit and we were showing how to use this stuff and then it relatively quickly got banned I think it was within the first week or so maybe a couple of weeks uh, it got banned because of sort of the not the political aspect but more of like the um, like unlicensed pornography Ethical. sort of thing where like I don't know you want Taylor Swift or you want you know Brad Pitt and you would take you know pornographic material and map their face onto that and um, that's kind of a scary thing right if you're somebody who uh, feel like you might end up getting blackmailed for something like you didn't actually do or somebody might try destroying your career sort of thing yeah it's definitely out of science fiction it's the kind of stuff you would see in you know movies and stuff like that and now it's you know, legit right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you'll have to have your know, technologies computers computers that can see whether or not uh, an image has been faked or not and but you know it's technology and, and imaging has gotten so good that you can really hard it's hard to tell what's real and what's not right yeah well i guess how do we survive after the advent of photo- i mean you could edit photos from a long time even back in the film days but once the first photoshop edits started coming out people were like oh my god we can't trust anything right, that we yeah, see yeah, yeah. and yet we still survive day to day now so it's like what is it that happened or not happened but what is it that changed either you know people did silly photoshop edits in the early days and then people don't do it anymore or people still do it but we're more skeptical like what is it how did we solve the problem with video with photos and i feel like it's not the exact same problem but i feel like the same thing and the same solution could happen again with video like it's not like oh my god society collapsed because we can't trust anything yeah images it's the same thing with video but i just wonder what what is the solution going to be is this just going to be a non-issue like if i went back in time when photoshop was first invented and people came with fake images and people were like oh my god and i told them ah don't worry nothing's going to happen is that the same case here in five years will this be like oh yeah those fake videos yeah well you know that well, doesn't really come up I, anymore. i'm not sure the technology was good enough to make a photoshop uh change a photoshop edit that was so perfectly mm-hmm. seamless really did, no. you could tell the difference yeah mm-hmm. but now 
now. But now you certainly can better. with a yeah, photo. Sure. Yeah. 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 Do it every week. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to have to use, uh, and I only say this half jokingly, we're going to have to use blockchain. So every <laughs> photo, every, every digi- piece of digital media will have will have a, yeah, uh, a signature. Right. It's true. So you know whether it's real it's or not. True. Yeah. yeah. It's, I'm only half kidding. So do you remember, I don't know if you guys remember the story, but there was a there was um, a guy who was charged with child pornography for posting pictures on the internet. And what he did was his with his face was he went into Photoshop and he applied a twirl filter to, to obfuscate his face. And yet mm. people found that they could take that same twirl filter and untwirl it and identify the guy. Uh. Right? So I mean, like now, you know, there's adding noise and all kinds of other stuff that you can do to, to basically do that. But but that was an early an early Photoshop uh, um, fail, right? Uh, that reminds me, I saw an article saying if you use the iOS Photos app to... Um if you have like a sensitive document in your photo library and you use the markup thing to like black out mm-hmm. sensitive yeah. parts, it doesn't actually black it out. It's still like eighty. It's like ninety five percent opaque. Yeah, yeah. So just a, a warning out there. Don't. I know sometimes uh, like the government releases a PDF document and things are blacked out, but you can just like open the PDF editor and like remove the blackout really? parts. So you can oh, still read wow. the text underneath. Yeah, like some PDF editors, like they just got the preview app and they put a black box on top of it, but it's still underneath. They didn't actually, you know. Uh, so anyway. The iOS Photos app apparently does not completely obfuscate stuff. If you zoom in, you can still read what's yeah, underneath. So just the PSA for people who are, um, you know, if you work for the CIA and you're like so, but blacking out confidential material using the iOS Photos app, then but uh, if you, you post an image that. to, if you take it like a Photoshop, I'm oh, sorry, a Photos app photo and you blur it or whatever, and you drag it over to it, your desktop as a JPEG and then post that to Twitter per se, mm-hmm. like is mm-hmm. it still in that? Ca- you're saying it's not dark enough, is what you're saying, right? It's not dark enough. It's not. You have that, to go over it a like number of times. Layers, to make it like like Photoshop dark. layers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, like it's not a layering issue like the PDF. It's just it's not 100% opaque is yeah. the problem. But if you upload it to Twitter, Twitter will compress it to hell anyway, and it, you probably won't be able yeah. to read it. So that's yeah. probably safe. So, I'm just kidding. Well, no, not, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, from time to time, will take a screenshot of something, and then, you know, some person's name or email address or whatever will be in there, so you want to blur that out or whatever so it's not visible. Yeah. Um, I find the preview yeah. app's pretty good because we use that, you know, to annotate images, like we use it on certain websites yes. and stuff like that, and, you know, to make rectangle rec- and it, it actually burns it into the image once you save it right so while it's still in- you may need to do an export I'm not 100% sure but if you just mm-hmm. save it I think it's possible it isn't flattened yeah depending on the file format but I would always do yeah. an export just to be extra sure export it as a JPEG or a PNG right. again, and then you'll get a right. flattened image right. for sure be, be wary of any editor that has an, any kind of undo functionality right because yes if it yeah. has that then everything's being saved somewhere well I mean this is yeah. the thing about the photos the photos app like when you go in to do photos retouching they still save the master image in, in your photos library so you can always on your own machine you can always go back and undo the changes but whether That's or not right, yeah. when you mm-hmm. once you've exported it to the desktop or whatever if it's become a solid image or not not to ask uh, yeah you can grab those apps like um i think it's now pinpoint that will do the blur of your screenshots and then you can what's post, it called? repost them i think there are apps uh it used to be i think marco armand's app what was it called bug bug reporter bug shot the thing maybe? that you was the name bug the shot maybe. To pinpoint? and then the lickability folks i believe bought it and now it's called pinpoint, pinpoint. so it takes screen captures in your photo library and it has you can draw like circles and put arrows on it like if you're sending a bug mm-hmm. report i think they have it as a library as well you can put it in your app but it also has a blurring it does like a pixelated kind of a blur and you can kind of control 
control how big and where it is. So a tool like that that's meant to do um, obfuscation will be good. It's just the article I'd read, which I'll try to find and put in the notes, was the photos markup feature in the photos yeah, app. Yeah, Marco Armit's not new bookshot is for not to use that. screenshots. I'm just reading here. Cult of yeah. the Mac back in the day. 2013. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's similar to what you can do in... Oh, maybe not. I was going to say it's similar to what you can do in, in the uh, photo... Sorry, not photos. Preview app in, on I, on Mac. Yeah, I don't think the preview app has like a blur no. thing, right? You just have to put like a I, black yeah, box Yeah, I make a gray box or, or whatever with that one, yeah. Yeah, okay. Right, too. So another one we have here is uh, Intel fighting for their life. Was, we were talking about this a bit before the show started. Um, something about... Uh, what was it? Yeah, because uh, Qualcomm and Broadcom... Qualcomm and Broadcom arguing over things and what was the story behind this one, Jaime? I mean, Broadcom was trying to acquire Qualcomm and that was uh, going to be an, an issue for like regulatory concerns and, and market control sort of thing. They subsequently did not complete the transaction, so they're still distinct companies. Mm-hmm. So how did this like that was so what Broadcom, was... Broadcom is not the same Broadcom that, that has been around for, for 10 years or so, maybe mm-hmm. even longer than that. They were acquired by a company called Avago, which is which is basically a conglomerate that's been you know acquiring lots of different uh, semiconductor companies, and they happen to be based in Singapore. So uh, when they made they when they bought Broadcom a couple of years ago, they took the name Broadcom because it was a much more well-known name. So so that the company is now called Broadcom. Oh, right, yeah. Only a piece of it is the original Broadcom. So they tried to acquire Qualcomm, which is which is of course uh, a, a very large semiconductor company that makes a lot of chips for or wireless devices, especially cell phones. When they they recently tried to acquire Qualcomm, and uh, the U.S. government stopped it uh, for, for whatever reason, uh, say you know citing national security concerns. Uh, so the gist of this article is basically that well, Intel now is saying that they're thinking of buying Qualcomm, and and the the article is saying the reason is that Intel basically screwed up big time a few years back by not uh, making a deal with with Apple to to, to make the chips for for the iPhone, and and instead Apple went and used an ARM processor uh, instead of an x86, an, an Intel x86 processor, and you know, and the rest is history. You know, we've seen how massively successful that's been. So now companies like TSMC or, or Samsung, who who manufacture the, the the ARM processor for Apple, have gotten enormous amounts of business, while Intel has kind of been left out in the cold. Right. right. So so uh, the article, the, the the point of this article is that yeah, Intel is probably doing this to try to get back into the game and and um, and and become relevant for mobile devices because they haven't been able to right. so far. Get in that market, yeah. Yep. Interesting stuff. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have to talk about Gibson in the uh, after show, Mark. William Gibson. No, we'll, we'll talk about Gibson in, in the after show. Uh, so let's uh, move on. So okay. we have the uh, it's the reason why Greg's on the show because Greg loves loves himself a good survey and some and some good statistics. <laughs> it's like you know, Jaime likes barbecue and Greg likes surveys. Um, That's true. Numbers <laughs> and statistics. I love it. Yeah. So we're, it's that time of year again. Oh, page not found. This is my broken link. Right. Um, uh, Tim. How do we get here from there? I'll put the I'll put the right link. Do you have Thank the right you. link? I'll put it in. You had it in the you put it in the. Um, why is it wrong? Oh, because I need uh, the, oh, oh, sorry. There's an extra extra little bit on there. Take out the work salary thing. Yeah. I'll do it again. See? It this works. Yeah, it just jumps to that one spot. Okay. Well, it it jumps to the wrong spot, so I don't like that. This one. Is we will a have the correct link. link in the show notes, by the way. 
Yeah. So this is the Stack Overflow developer survey results. Stack Overflow does, or Stack Exchange, or whatever you want to call them, they do the annual survey, I think, in the month of January, where they ask developers right. who come to their site, hey, take this, whatever, 30-question survey, and they release the results. Uh, all kinds of questions. You can click on the link in the show notes and scroll through it yourself. Uh, I'm sure the other folks here have some highlights. I wrote down some highlights, but there's too many. But uh, So I tried to whittle down the list of highlights. It's still a lot, but let me just go through it. Sure. Uh, highlights. Tech. Again. Maybe it's Stack Overflow. It skews towards the web, but the sort of most popular things that people work on are all web, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, which is entirely possible because a lot of the world, it turns out, is on the web. But I guess for us as mobile folks, it was like, oh, we're not anywhere near the top. So it's still a web-focused developer world out there, apparently. Um, the other one that I like to look at is sort of what are, what are the trends coming up in the world and what's on the decline? So it's the most loved frameworks, the most dreaded frameworks, and the most wanted frameworks. And so the most loved the two, I think, of the top three are machine learning-based. It's TensorFlow and Torch hmm. are up there, which is interesting. So that seems to have captured the imagination of developers all around the world. Most dreaded is Cordova and Xamarin, two cross-platform wow. mobile development tools, which is interesting to me, uh, that the cross-platform thing is maybe dying down a little. I should go and look and see if React Native is anywhere on that on the list and where it is. But anyway, most loved is machine learning, dreaded is cross-platform mobile, and most wanted is kind of a, a mix but three of the top four are web stuff. React, Node.js, which I guess is not really web, but it's server-side JavaScript. So it's React, Node.js, and Angular are the most wanted. So it's an interesting mix of technologies there. People seem to like machine learning. They don't like cross-platform, and people love JavaScript as usual. Wait, it's where are you seeing the I'm, most wanted? I see Python, JavaScript, and Go was the top. Uh, interesting. Maybe Let me make sure I have page. my data correct. Most loved, dreaded, and wanted. Oh, most oh, loved, loved languages? Rust, Kotlin, and Python. No? Oh. No, that's most loved languages. I'm looking at most loved, dreaded, and wanted frameworks, libraries, and tools is what I'm looking at. Yeah. Where's that from? Uh, you can scroll down a little bit. Anyway, yeah, the languages is... Um, there it is. Okay, I'm, sorry. I'm, yeah, trying yeah. To, I'm trying to be brief here. So languages, uh, who cares? But technologies is what I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, that's what people are interested in. And so again, I'm also looking at the lens of hiring. Maybe I'm not looking for a job, but if I were looking for a job, it's like what kind of things are coming up? What are people interested in? If I, were wanna, if I wanted to hire, I'd be like, oh my God, we do so much machine learning there you could learn TensorFlow and come work for us you know so that's the kind of thing i'm right. looking for as well uh text editors the great holy war of the internet visual mm. studio code has apparently taken over the world it is like number one overall and even amongst sysadmin and devops people it is number two which is amazing to me so um i've started using it because i'm doing some c and c plus plus now and i'm using visual studio code and it is great but it seems like it's really jumped up the in mind share and in use too i don't remember being as popular last year but again it seems to have taken over the world, which is nice because yeah, I it's like interesting it. that Android Studio is for mobile developers is fifty six percent Xcode is thirty five percent, right? And then Visual. I think it's just the numbers thing. Like there are more Android developers than iOS. Developers, well, yeah, we we're so just saying that like more in, people will in, check that box in that number I just gave when we we're talking about WWDC that twelve million developers or mm-hmm. mo- call themselves mobile developers, whether that's web or mm-hmm. what we don't know whether it's Android or Xcode, but only two yeah. and a half million claim to be iOS, right? So yeah, yeah, so yeah, excuse so that. Way. that. Um, but yeah, editors, there you go. Visual Studio Code. You should use it. Be one of the cool kids. Um, AI. What, this was kind of an interesting question. What is your biggest concern when it comes to AI? And it was like, oh, is the singularity going to come? Too many things run by algorithms. Too many decisions being made that are sort of ununderstandable by human minds because it's like the computer decides. Um, so it's kind of interesting that uh, pretty much everybody and um, like data scientists, machine learning experts, and people in academia, people who I assume like know what they're talking about, their biggest concern has to do with fairness. Are the algorithms 
because they're still pro- in some way programmed by humans in, you know, at some point. Are the algorithms going to be fair because we're relying on them so much? And that's their biggest concern. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, designers and mobile developers are worried about the singularity developing. So if you're worried about the singularity, and then I would say probably don't worry about it, not to knock designers, but if it's like designers and mobile developers worrying about it, it's probably not a real concern. Whereas the people who sort of know something, maybe to be blunt, data scientists, machine learning experts themselves and people in academia, they're not worried about the singularity. Apparently they're more concerned with fairness. So it's kind mm. of an interesting, um, interesting taste there. So there's that. Everyone's favorite thing, salary. They had the usual graph as they did last year where they graph um, salary on one axis, number of years of experience on the other axis, and they put points of like what language people learn. So if you were optimizing for, you know, bang for your buck kind of thing, then apparently you should learn hack. I assume this is just a whole bunch of overpaid Facebook engineers working on their PHP web stack. But hack has like the best ratio for amount of pay to number of years of experience. So there's something. And then poor old object Pascal is way on the other end where people have a lot of experience, but they don't get paid a lot. Um, And then there's sort of a trend line, which is up and to the right generally, which is like the more years of experience you have, the more you get paid, which kind of makes sense. And Objective-C and Swift are sort of on the line. So we are assuming most of our audience is Objective-C and Swift people work sort of in the average zone where your pay increases as you um, move on in years of experience. So there's that. And then the final point that I'll bring up is what people use to assess jobs. So again, I'm thinking about in terms of hiring, sort of what kind of things should you emphasize in your job poster and interviews and things like that. And uh, they split up by gender. So for men, the number one thing was compensation. I should also point out that of the respondents, 93% were men. So it's still heavily mm-hmm. heavily skewed to, towards men. So number one thing for men is compensation. And then there's, um, I forgot some other things. I didn't write them down. Number four, which I'll, I'll t- say why I'm saying number four. Number four is office environment and company culture. Whereas for everyone, except for men, gender minorities, that was women, transgender, and uh, oh man, I've forgotten the other one. But for basically gender minorities, it was pretty much flipped where office environment and culture was number one. And then compensation was more like number three, number four. Uh, and then number two and three were constant among both of them. So it was sort of an interesting thing about, again, what kind of things you should be highlighting if you have a job posting to appeal to everybody. Hmm. You should pay people a lot <laughs> and you should say that, or you not that you should just say, but you should have a good office environment and company culture. And then you will be invincible when it comes to hiring, apparently. Sure. Cool. Those are my highlights. That was a lot. And I have more notes, but I don't want to go into any more. You can, of course, check it out yourself. But did anything jump out at uh, you guys if you while you scrolled through this? I was confused by the valuing compensation and benefits by geography. So I get why health insurance is at 11.5% in the United States. I cannot comprehend why the United Kingdom and Canada, two places that I believe have universal health care, why would you even care about health insurance? Shouldn't that be way down to the bottom? It's not necessarily the case in Canada, though, because some stuff isn't, like dental, yeah, for dental example, is not covered. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, like cool. One. So they, they put it under that then. Okay, so that makes more... UK health insurance is 2.5%, which seems pretty... Yeah, Canada is still like n- almost 10%, whereas the US is 11 and Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, it, it, it's like as if, you know, like there was no difference between the countries in terms of how they deal with health insurance. So uh, maybe dental is like an enormous problem in Canada or something. I don't think it is. I think it's just... I don't know. All that maple syrup is a lot of sugar. And it's, it's definitely like if you work at a big company, coffee, then, then yeah, cheese, right? 
What's that? Tim Hortons coffee. Yeah, yeah. donuts and Tim Hortons yeah. coffee. You get the double double. That's a lot of sugar. Or triple, I triple. think it's like if you if you get sick, then for example, the government covers like a semi private room. I think if you have a baby, like they'll cover a semi private room, but then your work insurance on top of it will pay for like a private right, yeah. room. I think a lot of people still say health insurance is important, but it's more like extras. It's not like you again. You're like, oh, if I get hit by a car and I'm going to go bankrupt. It's not quite like that. It's more like the extras. Like well, extras also cover therapies. And, like you know, if you have to go to physio, physical therapy or occupational therapy or, yeah. or traditional, you know, head shrinkers and that kind of stuff. Um, massage yeah. therapy, that kind of stuff is not necessarily covered by OHIP, but you can get that through your health insurance at work. Yeah. So maybe saying health insurance, using the same word for the U.S. and Canada is like technically true, but it's not, I don't think they mean, they don't mean the same thing right. as the problem. Yeah. Now I wonder about Germany because health insurance is even larger of a concern than it is in the United States. Yeah. I was just noticing that too. Which maybe they're just more conservative. Like, I don't know what the healthcare sort of system is like in Germany, but mm. it was an interesting difference there where it seems like, let's see, look at the numbers. So the United Kingdom seems to care the most about salary and or bonuses. Mm. Well, you know, with Brexit, they have to worry about that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't, please don't email us. But if you're from Germany, please let us know why health insurance is such a big deal. Uh, I also found the, I don't know where it is in this list, somewhere on the differences between like men and women where it was like childcare sort of stuff was like hardly even on the list for men. And it was number one or number two for women, which would notionally make a lot of sense, but also feels like maybe that's why it's not necessarily sort of front and center as a company perk, as opposed to uh, company provided meals or snacks sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at that in the differences in assessing jobs. I don't see that there. So it must be somewhere else. Yeah. I'm not sure where in the list I yeah. saw it, but it was a, it was okay. one I found interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. I'm actually quite surprised by, by the, the salary by technology that bottom three are from the bottom, Python, JavaScript, and C all tied at, uh, well, the number doesn't matter, but they're all tied for the lowest paying of all technologies. Swift is kind of in the middle. Objective-C is a little bit higher. And the top ones are Erlang and Scala. I guess, I guess it's just a, it's, it's just a supply demand thing. There's, there's not as many people doing those kind of more obscure languages. So I was going to say, there's so many people doing JavaScript that it kind of doesn't surprise me. It's at the bottom. Like you got a wider range of people, all those junior people being underpaid, probably bringing down the average too. That's true. That's true. There isn't much of a spread though from like Python at the bottom. I guess this doesn't include like every language in the universe, but Python at the bottom is at 98,000 and Erlang at the top is 115. That's true. Greatest spread either. It's like 15%. Yeah. Yeah. Go, Golang is one of those languages that's on my list of got to try at some point. And it's, uh, Mm. it's not top is not like top three in just about anything, but it does seem to be top five ish on a lot of these lists for pay or uh, most, most wanted or most loved. I can't remember which, Mm. uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Number five, and most loved and number three, on most wanted the, the dreaded list is interesting. So the top five are visual basic six, COBOL, coffee script, <laughs> VB.net, VBA. I don't know why people don't like MATLAB. Number six there. Hmm. Maybe there's something better. MATLAB does a lot of cool stuff. MATLAB, the open source one, or is that the paid one? That's the paid one. That's the paid. What's the open source version of that? Uh, is that Octave? Uh, yeah. Octave is, is an open source. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a version of MATLAB, but it's, but it's a yeah, very it's, similar it, type of tool. It does the yes, same okay. type of thing. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Interestingly, three out of the five most dreaded languages are Microsoft products. <laughs> and they're, they're like VB derivatives, right? Yeah. 
that's uh, that's not saying uh, that's not too great. Yeah. Coffee script is is number three, which is kind of interesting. That's amazing. The rise and fall of coffee script. That could be a movie because I thought that was going to take over the web JavaScript stack for a while. Yeah, I don't yeah. know when that was, but uh, I think people have moved to like TypeScript and less opinionated things. Well, look at the um, look at the list on yeah. the loved list, right? So look at the top ten, and you'll see TypeScript. You'll see C sharp and F sharp. So it's like Microsoft technologies, but the old and busted ones are on the dreaded list. And the mm. I, I'm not even going to call C sharp new, but it's certainly newer. <laughs> the Visual Basic, uh, that sort of mm. family of things is more loved. Mm-hmm. Is that, so Microsoft is sort of very polarizing. They make really good stuff, and they make really, no. That's not fair to say it's bad stuff. It's just old, I guess. Like Visual Basic six, that's from like 20 years ago or something. That's amazing that that's still even a contender at all. That people are still using it enough that they dread it. Like oh. that's amazing to me. And Cobol is like 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still in use though, right? Yeah. It doesn't pay very well though, according to this. It will. It will eventually when all <laughs> you, would th- you would think it does, but yeah. I, I, I thought it was the opposite. I thought Cobol pays extremely well because so few people know how to do it. That's and true, yeah. There's a lot of companies like banks with a lot of cash yep. and, and, a, and a desperate need for people to maintain their system, their old system. Also satellites. It's like- true, but I think because you have so much experience, people who do it are, I guess, so old that it is sort of, again, below the line in terms of the salary to average number of years of experience. Mm. So I, I guess it still pays, I don't know, from the chart, it doesn't look like it's great, but it's definitely like below average. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Average meaning the salary to experience level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody take a look at the most dreaded platforms? Continuing on the theme here. So SharePoint did not surprise me that it was number one. <laughs> I never hear anybody say, wow, this is great. Other than, well, it paid for my kids braces, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Drupal, Salesforce, mainframe, just any mainframe and windows phone. That's number five yeah. on this list. Who's still doing windows phone? Like that's, that's an unfortunate life to live. It's like, Oh, every day I wake up so I can help maintain, you know, some windows phone deployment somewhere, probably in like a corporate environment. I know it's not going and anywhere. Number six is WordPress. That's amazing. I, people don't like WordPress. Mm. Maybe working on WordPress is bad. All those updates that you have to do. I don't know. All those plugins you have to maintain. Is that what it is? I don't do WordPress anymore. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. I know. Interesting stuff. Well, let's move on. Disappointed. There's no survey on spaces versus tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have done that in the past. Remember people who use spaces get paid more? Oh, you know, it's oh, replaced right. spaces versus tabs, structs versus classes. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't you talk well, about, a, Tim. That's kind of a, that's kind of a swift specific yeah, I know, thing. I know, I know. Everything should be a struct. Everything should be a protocol. It should all be functional. Yep. Uh, all lets. No, yep. No yes. Mutable, no uh, yeah. And five no space inheritance. tabs, of course, mm-hmm. with the code. So, so you're saying don't use UI kit at all? <laughs> no, you got to write your own UI framework that yeah. has the benefit okay. of having smoother animations and stuff because you're not doing that's things true. on the main thread. That's and, and That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you have to write it all in, uh, in metal. It works better in, in a team <laughs> right. environment because you're not you know colliding up against each other if somebody changes the storyboard while you're working in it. And, yeah. That works. It'd be one big, lovely vertex shader to do every, all yeah, the rendering. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd, I'd yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah. So, hey, quickly, Mark, what do you got here for cryptocurrency besides... Uh, well, this was kind of an interesting one uh, that just happened within a couple of days ago of, of when we were recording this. So uh, there was an app on the Mac App Store called Calendar 2 mm-hmm. that 
that got pulled by Apple uh, because it was offering a feature, I guess, uh, where instead of you know, putting ads in their app or, or requiring you to pay for the app, you could actually use the app for free in return for allowing the developer to use part of your CPU in the background to mine a cryptocurrency. Right, right. So, so the idea is that you opt in and you know you get to use the app for free, and while you're using the app, the developers is doing some mining in the background, and and if they find coins, then then the developer gets paid that way. Uh, the the problem in this particular case was that apparently there were a lot of bugs in their code, so it was doing mining in the background whether you opted in or not, oh, right. and even when you weren't running the app. So it was it was using a lot of users' CPUs, and 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 they hadn't actually opted in, and it was just all around a problem. So so Apple ended up pulling the app from the App Store, uh, and the reason given was that there is a clause in the in the submission guidelines saying that uh, the app can't use excessive battery, uh, etc. Hmm. So so it was technically breaking the the rules. This is the Mac App Store, by the way, not right, the iOS right. App Store. Uh, but but I, I actually think it's kind of a shame because I because I think if they had done it right yeah. and and were very transparent about it, then it's actually a very interesting business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't I don't see it as any worse than than putting ads in right or or require you know basically you're you're letting the user uh, use some of their cycles uh, to support the developer. Right. I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, it's it's it is a shame because I think now this has put this has given a bad name to the idea and Apple will be pretty reluctant to let any more apps that do that into the App Store because they got some bad press out of it. There was there was the usual controversy of you know you know why did it take so long for Apple to pull it? Hmm. Should Apple pull it? And there's a lot of arguing back and forth and whether it was the right thing to do. And there's a lot of people who uh, are angry at the developers for trying to quote scam the users, even though it's it's not clear whether whether it was really. I have no way of knowing whether it was that really bugs in the in the app or or whether it was intentional. Uh, you know, we'll give the developer the benefit of the doubt that it, w- it was a bug and they weren't trying to scam the users. Uh, but in any case, it, it, there was some bad press over this, and and unfortunately, it's it's uh, it's given this this idea which which could have been a good business practice uh, a bad name and probably prevents it from ever happening again. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, do you think this is a good thing? This is a bad thing? Well, it's interesting that you know mining is going to be a sort of a new way for people to make money. It's it's I don't see it any different than like you said running ads on the on the um, you know for exposure that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, however, like like you said, I think that they the, the fail was that they they didn't um, really control whether or not it was doing the mining you know what, you know or not right. I suppose and it is quite plain in the screenshot that you've got there that uh, it says you know if, if you want to use it for free it's you're all going to allow it to do some uh, some mining for you right 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 yeah i mean they they made the mistake of probably not being transparent enough and not being very clear that this is what was happening and if there was a bug that that caused it to happen well you didn't opt in or didn't know it was happening right. then that's just bad that's just that's just problem for sure yeah i'm not uh, i'm not philosophically opposed to it because when i and when i first thought about it, i was like oh like i had an immediate visceral reaction probably because it's been pretty common for people to shove that sort of stuff uh, unwanted onto like web pages and stuff right like you see tons of news stories about like hey this web page or this ad network was mining cryptocurrency on your you know on your browser sort of thing and then well that's that's terrible so i think it, it had the bad press and these folks like <laughs> messed it up even worse with their their mistake there right you, you should have used swift because then you would have had to guard that optional and you wouldn't have had this problem <laughs> um but that aside when i started thinking about it again i said oh wait a minute how is this really any different than like SETI at home or folding at home 
Chrome where you're giving up some amount of your CPU cycles because they, they chose uh, Monero, Monero, which is a, Monero, a, yeah. a CPU-based system rather than the GPU one. And these modern CPUs are largely sitting there, you know, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for stuff to occasionally come by. So it, 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 it does seem to me as the sort of thing where it is okay as a trade-off um, if people knowingly choose and say, yes, like, I know that I'm um, you know going to have extra CPU cycles being used in the background, that sort of thing. Uh, I'll use this mostly for browsing and typing up stuff in, you know, notepad and or text edit, I guess, and uh, looking at photos of the kids or something. I don't have really anything hmm. too pressing on here. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, do audio for a podcast or 3D rendering or video production sort of things. Yeah, sure. Why not? That, that seems like an okay thing to me once I got past the immediate visceral no, no, no reaction. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of people had that same initial reaction just because of the, the bad press that, that uh, a lot of cryptocurrencies have gotten and a lot of the scammers uh, that you mentioned. Uh, but I but I, I tend to think it's a little unfair. Uh, and it's it's really, as I said, it's a shame that these guys screwed it up so badly that they ruined it for everyone. to stay up class because of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder what are the ethics of um, if I was running this application, I picked the cryptocurrency mining, and then I was able to throttle the CPU for that one application. Is that like the equivalent of an ad blocker? Because they would never be able to, you know, find a proper hash or whatever to get a coin out of it? Or is that okay? Is that not okay? Um, well, it's a good question. Know. Where does question. that go into uh, it? Now, you would, you would wonder if, if throttling the CPU would, would uh, limit the user's ability to use the actual software at the same time. I'm, I'm imagining like they spin off a separate thread to do the mining. And if I found that thread and I throttled it, mm-hmm. then is that okay? Is that not okay? Am I like, like, because in theory, what if I let the miner go right. and it never finds anything? It doesn't mine anything successful. Right. Well, you know, this is this is the same moral argument as the whole uh, freeware or, or really the shareware concept, right? So the so a developer puts something out. Uh, this is how it used to work. I'm not sure how much of this is still around these days, but the developer would put something out and say, hey, you know, you can use it. And if you like it, please, you know, pay a certain amount. Let tip for you. And yeah, and no one is forcing you to to, to pay. Uh, but the idea is that if you're if you're appreciating the software and you'd like to see more development from that developer or, or improvements in software, then yeah, you'll kick some in to to keep them afloat. And no one's going to stop you from using that software for, for free forever if you choose to. So it's kind of like that. It's kind of the honor system. If you if you want to go to the trouble to throttle it back, well, you know, no one can stop you. Uh, but uh, but if you're really using enjoying the software and you want to see it improved, it's you're not doing yourself any favors by by doing that. Hmm. I haven't quite come to the same place that Jaime is. I still find it like, oh, this is just I don't I don't like it. I don't know why I still have not uh, come to terms with it. I think yeah. maybe I'll get there. But again, you you have the as long as you have the choice and you know what's happening, you have the choice to do it or not. Mm-hmm. Then what's wrong with it? That's true. I guess I would tell people just mine it yourself and you'll make more money, and then you can just pay the dollar ninety nine or whatever to unlock the damn software. Is what fair I would enough. tell people. Yeah, fair but, enough. Yeah, sure. but some people don't want to do it. They don't want to set up. They can be like, oh, I'll just click this button. It's a lot easier. I mean, yeah. you can set it with a lot of things, right? Why yeah. don't people just do X? It's so much easier. Right. Um, but that's not how human beings work. So yeah. And just to clarify, so it was confirmed. It was pulled by Apple. I think that was still a question mark. Last I heard. Well, as but, of this latest article that I posted in the show notes, it, yeah, it was the developer said it was pulled by Apple. Okay, got it. I think there was some question again yeah, when I was. heard the story yeah. on Monday. They were like, "Did yeah. Apple pull it? Did the developer who?" Did? Okay, so yep. it was confirmed. It was Apple. Yep. And how long was it out there cool. for? A couple of days. Oh, only. a couple of days wasn't like very long. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But it, you know, but it was it was reasonably lucrative. Actually, they said that the developer made a couple thousand bucks in three really? days. Now, oh. obviously, yeah, 
I mean, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get rich off of that or, and you're not going to sustain a, a large business with that. But for an indie developer, that's a lot of money. That's yeah, not that's good, good terrible. Yeah. It's not Trump change. Yep. Hmm, interesting. What will they think of next? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're at the picks portion here and it looks like Jaime has got a pick. Yes. As long as we're on the topic of things that drain your battery, let's mm-hmm. talk about Pokemon Go for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mostly as a reason to get people to think about, oh, remember how Pokemon Go had the whole, you know, maps based thing and right. uh, augmented reality sort of thing. Um, took a lot of work from Niantic and, and Google and, and company to, to get that sort of working. Now, Google is apparently making a Google Maps API for gaming that handles the um, sort of the, the visual aspects of that in terms of a Unity SDK um, or in addition to the Unity SDK, I, I assume. Right. And also a, uh, a Google Maps API that will, I guess, handle like the location-based sort of information, uh, probably like points of interest sort of thing of like, you know, Pokemon Go had the uh, Pokestops and Ingress has something, portals or something. And you can imagine you can have other games and they show this little video where you have all sorts of different games being layered on top of the real world like this. And I know that um, Jurassic Park, I think, yeah, uh, Jurassic World Alive and The Walking Dead, Our World and Ghostbusters World are all going to be doing these sorts of things and presumably are powered by this sort of technology. So I thought that would be interesting for folks out there who are interested in doing this sort of thing, whether it's uh, gaming or location-based services or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Check this out. It'll be in the show notes. Cool. Well, what do you think of next? Craig, do you have a stealth pick for us? I do have uh, a stealth right. pick, yeah. Sort of a, just a quick one based on what we talked about with WWDC. Mm-hmm. It's the WWDC scholarships page. So just to remind our young and student listeners that uh, the applications for the scholarship for WWDC is going to open, I think, in a couple of weeks, March mm-hmm. 26th, or maybe a week after this episode comes out. But it's not just sort of quote-unquote normal students. If you are at like a boot camp kind of thing, or you have like an after-school thing, or you are in, they mentioned code.org, girls in tech. So I think it's not just... Um like a like traditional yeah, university yeah, yeah. or college but there's it's a little bit wider than that so you can you can check out the requirements on the page but um, you know you make a swift playground the requirements are all here and uh, this year I think the difference is you get a WWC ticket you get lodging for the conference and you get a one year membership in the Apple wow. developer program hmm. free of charge I think that one is new the other two I think they had last year but it was a little bit different so if you are uh, some kind of a student under these requirements under these uh, eligibility requirements I mean then uh, you should so you something. have to have been a developer as of like now now when the when the lottery net opened or I don't think there's that kind of requirement you just have to be a student or some kind of a student as of some date I guess the application date or something you can look at the full yeah. rules here uh, but I don't think you need a developer account already because you just make a playground which you could do on the iPad playground for, or sorry Swift playground on the yeah, iPad so submissions open Monday March 26th and their deadline is April 1st so you have till mm-hmm. not that long really uh, yeah so I mean they have what the submissions open that day but they tell you what kind of a you know what you should be submitting so you can start working on it now right. presumably mm-hmm. and uh, they'll judge your technical accomplishment the creativity of your idea and the content of written responses so there are a few questions that you have to provide short answers for uh, so you can start working on all of that Ido Pichikino. all right mm-hmm. there's okay. one requirement is kind of interesting here so i say this because i'm the kind of person who's like hmm what are the loopholes here and how can i break this <laughs> 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 which i guess makes me you know more effective as a developer so i will read you this requirement 
requirement. Your submission must be a Swift playground created by you as an individual or a template modified by you as an individual. Really? Well, if you're an enterprising sort of person out there and you really desperately wanted to be on every iOS-related newsletter, guess what? If you were to make something interesting and put it up on GitHub as a repo under your name and then point people towards it, I guarantee you you'll get a whole bunch of people who will be very interested in cloning your repository. Yeah. I know of a young developer who had that happen where he posted a, a framework or something that, and then a bunch of other people used and they got into the scholarship program and he didn't. Mm, bummer. Yeah. He was not very excited about that. Cool stuff. Interesting stuff. Tim, I don't do have, you have a pick this week. No. Oh, I'm sorry. You can cut that out. I thought you were implying no, <laughs> to no, mind no, that no. you had a pick too. Sorry, no. no pick for me. So, Tim, I'll, um, I'll loan you a pick. Let me, let me put it here. Oh, you got a loaner pick? Is this the Tau pick? <laughs> is Tim going to be able to sell it? You're just going to put a random pick in there? Tau? My pick oh, is no, not, not the Pi Day versus Tau Day oh, teach yeah. to controversy moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's, happy half Tau Day. What is Tau Day? Mm, tau over two. Tau over two. And what does that work out yeah. to? Well, so instead of Pi, mm-hmm. there's a movement to replace Pi uh, with a different constant called Tau, which is actually two Pi. Mm-hmm. And and the reason being that it, it just makes all the math work out a lot easier in many ways uh, because there's a very intuitive feel for what tau is, uh, where 2pi where is the number of radians to go around a circle, mm-hmm. uh, which which is confusing because, you know, 1pi is halfway around and pi over 2 is a quarter of the way around. Well, if you use tau, which is 2pi instead of pi, mm-hmm. then, then one tau is, is one turn around the circle. Right. So you go oh, one full turn around circle, that's a tau. And so tau over two is a half turn. Tau over four is a quarter turn. So it makes a lot of the math simple to learn when you're when you're first starting out. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, tongue-in-cheek movement. It's I don't think it's super, super serious, but but there is a whole tau manifesto out there. That's true. And then they have uh, 628. Or I was going to say you saw it on the right. tau day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Reading from the... It's twice as good as they say. <laughs> yeah. It's here the, but here's the thing. Pi is a, as a number is bad. And there Therefore, so the entire misguided day dedicated to its celebration. It's a lot taken, and I, too, was once like you. I taught the virtues of pie for many years, going back to pie day parties in the middle school. But instead of pie, we should celebrate tau, an alternative circle constant referred to by the Greek letter T, tau, I guess, that equals 2 pi, yeah. or approximately 628. So, well, Tim, you still have three months to update the app. That's right. true. Well, I can add tau. I can add tau. Join the, join the rebel yeah. movement, I could I update it for, uh, for iPhone 10 and... And, and change it to Tau Day app, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could do that, totally. See, there's a branding problem here it. because you can eat pie on pie day. What do you do on Tau Day? Eat Tau. Turkey? I'm sure they solved the problem. Surely they have a food of tau day, food? right? Otherwise, it's what, what kind of a holiday <laughs> It's is more it? convoluted. This is like Oreo versus Hydrox, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Tim, do you have a pick? You make Tau support <laughs> in an app Thanks, Greg. It's <laughs> a matter of fact, you right? purchase by two. <laughs> it's Tau Day. <laughs> I had enough of this Pi Day stuff nonsense. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's funny what you guys were saying about Pi Day not being featured because I didn't update it for iPhone 10, but that totally makes sense now. Oh, well. Not that you would have been featured. No, that's true. I'm not, I'm not nearly as prolific yeah. as Mr. Yeah. Thompson is over there. So Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. On the App Store. Yep. I'm just waiting. i waiting for PCalc for the HomePod to come out. <laughs> and we need PCalc for the AirPods as well, right? Exactly. Or they call AirPods, I forget. AirPod, AirPods. AirPods. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. Because Air, Air I know Buds it's makes dog, so I know. much sense. It makes so much sense. This is another branding problem. Air Buds for earbuds makes so much sense. But unfortunately, it is the, I think, Disney-owned property with the Golden tre- Retriever or Lab. Yeah. It's yeah, a dog. Yep. Yeah. All good. All good until somebody loses an eye. Then it's a sport. All right. Um. So, hey, how many if people want to get a hold of you on their interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with a hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, a cursive letter or surface mail. Mark R at smapsoft.com. Okay. Are you still hiring over there at Skydio? We are. are. Okay. Remy, simple. Mm-hmm. We are still hiring for uh, iOS. Uh, people have submitted. So thank you for applying. And a few folks reached out to me. So hopefully I've answered your questions and, and hopefully you apply. Um, we are, of course, hiring for other jobs as well. And uh, you can find that uh, probably linked through the uh, link we had in the show notes before. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, since you're listening to this show, you're probably really interested in the iOS engineer position. So again, do, please do they apply. have the the, uh, the the anchor, you know, the URL uh, code you know, Lopez or something I need to put in there? No. Uh, it, it does include, you know, in full disclosure, it does include my uh, tracking code. So oh, people will nice. know that it's through cool. me. This is something I said in Greg's absence. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, Greg, yeah. how We're does anybody Greg know that it's yeah, yeah, topology yeah. where <laughs> jobs? There should at least be like, you know, question mark person equals Greg or something. Mm-hmm, so we can track mm-hmm. that through like Nginx or something. That's true. That's true. So, hey, Greg, if people want to get a hold of you, where do they look? You should uh, find me in person at WWDC or AltConf or some other conference cool. out there. Or if you're a recluse at home, you can go on Twitter as well. I'm hey, are you going to RW DevCon in a couple weeks? Well, I am going. Too. Only 20, uh, 18 days to RW DevCon or something. True. It says in, it says true, in the channel, yeah. right? Well, Greg and I there. will be in, and Tammy in, too, in so we'll uh, have a, Alex, Alexandria, Virginia, right? Is that where it is? That's right. May or April 5th and 6th or something. So if you are also yeah, there, then yes, please come yeah. say hello. We yeah. will be there. Bell's on. Um, yeah, my name is Tim Mitra. Oh, wait, sorry, forgot to ask. Greg, are you guys still hiring over there at Topology Eyewear? We are still hiring a number of roles, but of course, as Jaime said, if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in the iOS role. But we are not looking to hire remote at the moment. I think if we get desperate, maybe we will, but we're looking to have someone on site because we do have a lot of, you know, hardware stuff and uh, we just like having people co-located. Uh, that's just how we work better. So yeah, uh, if you're already in the area, that'd be good, but I think they'll also relocate people if you're interested. Cool. So yes, we are All still right. hiring. Okay. And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitcher machine, and we will talk to you guys hopefully next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. Okay, that's it. That's all there is to it. End scene.
I don't know if you all saw in the chat, in the Zoom chat, oh, I put no. this know your meme thing. So when we were talking about Photoshopping stuff and how the world dealt with that. Does mm-hmm. anybody remember this one? The uh, This looks shopped. I can tell from some of the pixels and from seeing quite a few shops in my time. What? You don't remember that? In like the late 90s, anywhere. probably? Maybe. Where, where did you post this? I, mean, I only see Pi Day versus No, in, in, the, in the Zoom cartoon. chat. There's a Zoom chat window. Oh, in the Zoom chat. No, I don't look there. Somehow okay. I lost my Zoom chat. Where'd it go? I st- my hand is still raised. But, yeah. Do you have something to say there, Greg? Um, should be there. <laughs> should be there on the, the toolbar. The little chat. Yeah, I see it. So how does I this look it. photoshopped? No, it's more like the, the guy, the individual who's, you know, sitting at the desk and, and pointing out whatever is on that. Uh, oh, it almost looks like a green screen. It's I such an it. old computer that he's <laughs> at. <laughs> Explain to the other yeah. person how whatever it is they're looking at looks like it's a Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. The first time I ever saw an animated GIF was a porn piece, a porn image on a green screen computer. As I was walking through an office, somebody said, hey, look at this. Isn't this funny? I'm like, yeah, sure. There's like, Did it loudly say, hey, I'm watching porn over here? Yeah, back in the day, exactly. Back, you know, yeah, you know what that was, right? No, was that another, the, uh, another? Um... Oh, that was another thing that was going around probably 15 years oh, yeah? ago, where where someone would send you an email yeah. and it was just uh, some kind of a you know an audio clip, and you'd play it, and it would be this really this guy really loudly screaming, "Hey, I'm watching porn oh, over right, here!" Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Back in the day, uh, early day trolling, it was the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an app once that was called it was a joke app called Sex. Explosion, and when you launched it, it would come up. It would launch like remember the uh, when your your Mac crashed, and it would say you'd have the restart thing with the bomb on it, and you'd have to you'd have the choice like to hit restart. And the thing was, every time you moved your mouse over to hit the button, the button would move. Yeah, I remember that yeah. one. Yeah, he was in Doctor Bob Levitis' uh, book, his joke book. So I think there's a bug in Zoom. So somehow my chat window is gone, mm-hmm. but I'm still on the call. Oh, I wonder what happens if I click on this. No, oh, don't hit Tell the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I won't do that. Uh, well, you, you saw it was uh, purchased by McAfee, right? Oh yeah, yeah, a, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was. I was trying to remember who they, who bought them, but McAfee's not owned by the guy in um, Tennessee anymore, is it? Mr. No, McAfee. it hasn't no. been. I think it's Semantic now, isn't it? Yeah. No, no, I and he's not been involved since like the late nineties, I think. You know, I saw that was that it had been bought by 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 them, but it was something about McAfee not. Oh wait, is it McAfee? How is that name pronounced? Oh, probably McAfee. Hmm. Does say McAfee on the Wikipedia pronunciation uh-huh. guide? Yeah. All right. So yeah. So uh, McAfee acquires Canadian VPN outfit Tunnel Bear, but there was some other thing about McAfee because they were bought by somebody or they were taken over by somebody. There was a deal with Intel, according to Wikipedia. Intel? Um, it got purchased by Intel, and then they did a joint venture with another company. They kept the name, yeah. obviously, but it's it was part of uh, Intel Security Group, apparently. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. We all use Macs. We don't have viruses, right? That's true. <laughs> we do have uh, Bell Canada is trying to uh, get rid of net neutrality. So you need Tunnel Bear for that. It does. I've heard it messes with podcasts, though. Oh, really? <laughs> like if you're <laughs> if you're in the middle of recording one and you push, you turn it on. Oh, yeah, I walked into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the first one to walk into it. So, hey, Mark, the reason I wanted to ask you is, was, have you heard about what's happening with Gibson guitars? No. Are you, are you a Gibson, you're a PRS guy or a Gibson guy? What do you? I have various guitars. I don't have a Gibson. No? I do have a PRS uh, and, and a couple of other guitars, but I just never happen to get a Gibson. Yeah. So Nothing against them. It's just I just never happen to get one. So apparently they're like this close to filing for bankruptcy. Oh, no, really? Yeah. They, the rumor is that they've closed their custom shop down and let a whole bunch of people 
people go and really? yeah, they have to come up with something like 500, 500,000 or 500 million by June, huh. which is going to be pretty tough to do, you know, if you think about it. Yeah. 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 That's kind of major, major news in the instrument, musical instrument area, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they went away, if the Les Paul went away, that would be a dramatic thing. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine that would go away. I mean, this, well, there's so many knockoffs of that, right? But, right. But yeah, I, I imagine someone would buy the name and probably buy the factory. They, they went under. Yeah. Well, I mean, then they had that whole um, Epiphone stuff, right? It was, I mean, there's been all kinds of stuff about them doing that stuff. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you think of all the artists that, you know, specifically played, you know, like, uh, you know, George Harrison played uh, Gibson, Jimmy Page played Gibsons, you know, um, Eric Clapton as well, right? In a lot of cases. Well, he was more of a Strat guy. Well, yeah, but uh, back in the Beatle days, he was playing, you know, Les Pauls and stuff, right? Mm. Yeah, it says here, uh, let's see. Yeah, are you sure about that amount of money? Because, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's not really that much money. That's yeah, like a no, house. It says, uh, no, millions and millions. Oh, 500 uh, million, not 500,000. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, uh, so that's, that's different. It says, uh, situation facing iconic Nashville-based musical instrument maker, which has annual revenue, revenues of more than a 1 billion, far from normal uh, recently left company, or CFO. Wait, so uh, their, their, their revenues of billion, but their shortfall is 500 million? Yeah, something like that. Um, it, says, well, it, it says they have 520 million in debt that is coming due. Yeah. Is so it like what? an embezzlement case? Like, how did that, how did that end up happening? <laughs> this is like one of those things where you're like, uh, who, who, who's smoking up the profits because yeah. this isn't adding Well, up. this is the thing. is like they're they're pointing their finger at the at the current CEO, I think, right? I just found out. I was just poking around on some website on the weekend, and I just saw this, and I went, oh, this is really not good. Yeah, I, I think I think of the story, the first thing I noticed was that a bunch of people got laid off. And yeah, here I'm on the Far Out Magazine webpage. Uh, yeah, they're laying off custom workers, right, which I talked about. So yeah, so CEO Henry Jesuits. Um, yeah, not good. 519. Yep. See, what they need to do is like what my um, semi, semi-joking conference proposal idea is. Came up with this when I was in Austin. It's called, let's start an initial coin offering and make a lot of money. Where when this one hour session we will start an ICO mm-hmm. <laughs> live coding and, and we'll we'll get it started and we'll oh, make during a ton the of talk? money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like one of those, money. you know, talks is like, let's make an app in an hour sort of things. Like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. But with an ICO. Nice. Yeah, I heard there's a lot of ICOs that well mm-hmm. yeah, but I heard that there's there's tons of ICOs that are happening and they're just like falling like flies, right? It's starting to, starting to crumble. I think that it might be just the very tail edge mm-hmm. of uh of it but yeah mdjz coin and we can toss it into an app but not on the app store apparently we'll have to uh right we'll have to right. make sure it's available on our download page right yeah or gibson guitars man oh well what will that do for the guitar the value of the guitars mark what do you think well it would probably make them go up <laughs> i would think because uh you know if they're not making any more yeah yeah then then the older ones yeah the older guitars tend to have more value anyway yeah well but there's a reason why I, they, they change the kind of woods that they're using in the newer guitars right yeah the uh what was it is and, it the uh, brazilian Rosewood is that what it is? Yeah, and that, the mahogany and stuff. And apparently, they've been doing a lot of more ply yeah. than ply than uh, and and apparently, like the whole guitar industry, or I mean, it contributed to the all the cries of you know cutting down the forests, right? So or the rainforests, yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah, because I heard that they're doing a lot more chambering and stuff like that, and it was, I think it was because they they claimed it was for the benefit of guitars. So when people have found out that the earlier guitars, like the fifties and fifty to seventies guitars, were made more traditionally or more you know more conventional that they they went up in value and the ones since the 80s and 90s or, and so on and so forth are made of lesser yeah. quality, right? It was always, at least for acoustics, it was always the, the pre, pre-World pre War II 
two acoustics mm-hmm. uh, that were the the best ones. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after that, it, they started using cheaper materials, especially in the seventies. There were a lot of cheap. They they went from being handmade. Mm-hmm. Every guitar was handmade to factory made. Which which uh, I guess in the early days of fact of doing them in the factory, they were they were just kind of cheap uh, and not well done. But I imagine now with all the you know the like the uh, what are they called CNC, CNC and laser CNC cutting CNC and, and all yeah. that. And yeah, they can probably make a, a much better guitar. I would think now mm-hmm. in a factory than like then you can't buy hand. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Let's make it with sustainable bamboo. Yeah, but I don't know if bamboo will work because it's the because <laughs> bamboo is kind of a non flexible wood, right? right. Is it, is it, well, I don't know. Well, it's funny. It's that's it's, it's I'm, from the physics of how a guitar works, right? The like electric guitars anyway. You know, it's it's measuring or it's capturing the movement of the string in a like in a magnetic field that creates the tone, right? Right. And they say that, and this is where Fender Defender Camp of having more solid guitars, you get a, clear, a purer tone, right? And they're always said on the Gibson side because they use the softer woods, you have more sustain, right? Because the wood adds voice to the the guitar. But it's hard to say because it's still an electronic tone, you know? Yeah, it's not like an acoustic guitar where it's the chamber. Yeah, yeah. And you know the amount of of give that the wood has, you know, with as as the air vibrates, right? The wood moves as well. Yeah. Well, unless they're using like the what do you call it, piezo mics or whatever that pick up the actual acoustic of the like on the electric guitars. I mean, like on the um, right. But you know, if you think about it, like in terms of like the you know the left handing right hand right handing winding rules of you know electromagnetic fields and stuff like that. Like if it's a if you're if it's making the tone from the string vibrating in the field, then what does the wood or whatever around it have to do with it? Like how could it influence it? Right? Yeah. Maybe there's some Heisenberg properties in there or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if guitars were digital, it would make a sense. It would make sense, right? Because why is it that a, a Gibson guitar has no. that kind of tone? Other than unless it's using the humbuckers or whatever, right? And the way they wired up. Well, a lot of it's the pickups. Yeah. 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 Oh, hmm. But certainly for an acoustic guitar, the wood. Has, oh, for sure, a huge impact. Uh, yeah. Has a huge impact. Yeah. Anyway, on that happy note, folks, I gotta sign off. Yeah. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, it's tomorrow already. No longer Pi Day. How over two days? Tides of March. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. You are. If you haven't, if you haven't paid retail tax. That's true. But apparently somebody was telling me that Pi Day actually, or Pi, like, can be celebrated from between the 14th and the 16th, right? Yeah, that makes sense, because it's 31415, is it 6 or 9? Uh, but it, it rounds down on the 14th. <laughs> Pi Approximation Day is actually in Pi Day. You can use that. And so is Star Wars Day and, and Towel Day. Um, oh, what, by the way, it's Pi Approximation? Is that July 22nd? That Pi Approximation? Okay. By the way, uh, did you guys know, interesting fact, by the way, in, you know, we, we haven't talked about Stephen Hawking, but he, he died just this morning, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, as we record on March 15th, 14th, sorry. Um, he apparently was born on the 300th anniversary of Galileo's birthday, and he died on I, uh, Albert Einstein's birthday. So there is order in the universe? It's an interesting <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> uh, he's discovered. He, he knows now, right? Yeah. The I answer guess. to that question. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, uh, on that note, we'll see you guys later. All right, good night. Bye. Good night.